Okay. Wait, what was I asking you? Oh, um, you were asking you're... me about the fact that I, oh, do I interview people? Yes. Do you yeah, interview interviewing people? people is literally my entire <laughs> job. Your... Okay. I probably interview, you know, anywhere from three to 10 people a week, depending on what type of story I'm working on and what type of expertise they need or if I'm telling somebody else's story. Wow. This is what I'm saying. This is why I feel like I'm so out of my element because you actually do this for a living. This is like your job. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, but my job is nice because I get to go back and choose the quotes oh, that make okay. the most sense. I'm not presenting a recording to the world. So my mm. recording can be as, you know, all over the place as it needs to be. I don't have to present it to the world as a nice package as, as, in a it's, podcast. Go, as it's going to be right now, just straight up all exactly. over the place. Okay, cool. Perfect. <laughs> this is so interesting. All right. So actually, all right. So hold on. I'm going to do a, a brief intro. Um, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, freelance writer and editor, uh, seven-time marathoner, former New Yorker. Ooh, I need to update that current oh yeah well what nine eight nine 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 time nine, nine marathons uh marathoner nine time marathoner a new yorker current denver coloradoian how do you say it coloradan okay think. there you go <laughs> ashley mateo that was good that was a good one yeah i had to think about that one um <laughs> all right so okay so how, okay walk me through you know what i want to like dive into interviewing people what are your tips and tricks for interviewing people? Let's take that. Let's tackle that up front. That way I can apply it to this episode. Tips and tricks of interviewing people. That's hard. It, it totally depends on the person you're interviewing. There are some times where I, I don't do prep work because I want their unbiased story like we talked about. Mm -hmm. And there are other times where I do a ton of prep work to make sure I know the science that we'll be discussing or the the coaching techniques or programming for, you know, running training plans, or if I'm interviewing an athlete, a professional, I want to know their history, what recent competitions they've had, how they've performed. But sometimes it is nice to go in with a blank slate and have people just tell you their experience. For example, I just interviewed uh, three people about their New York marathon experience. And I didn't look at any of their training beforehand because I mm. wanted that unbiased, you know, presentation of what their day was like before I started asking them questions mm -hmm. about what got them there. Mm -hmm. All right. So on that note about New York city marathon, uh, so you, UK, we briefly touched on this. You PR'd in Chicago, Chicago marathon, which was 30 days ago. And now what, two weeks ago, you PR'd again in the New York city marathon. What it's, and then if memory serves me right, 26 minutes faster in Chicago or 26 minutes faster in New, New York. York. I, wow. yeah, I last ran New York in 2018. And so this was my fourth year doing it. And wow, it's just a hard course of all the, I've done five of the majors and wait for people that don't is, know. And I don't know. I might don't I might know the five majors are what? So there are six marathon majors. They are um, New York, Boston, Chicago, London, Berlin, and Tokyo. So I've done all of them now, except for Tokyo. Um, 
which was supposed to happen and it's been slightly delayed, mm-hmm. but, um, New York is by far the hardest course. I just think that you really the hills, the second half is not, just so not Boston, but New York. No, I, I think that, I think that Boston as a net downhill, even though those Newton Hills come at a really, really bad place in the race, mm-hmm. that is the worst of it. Whereas New York, once you go over that, 59th street bridge you're just on this kind of steady climb for most of the second half so you can fly through the first half and then first avenue is a grind fifth avenue is a grind you've got the hills in central park it's just after 16 it's a fight in new york (laughs) and so it's always been sort of my nemesis race and i didn't set out to race it this year because of chicago Mm -hmm. um my my plan was to race chicago go put my training towards that and then do New York for fun and then Chicago was just a terrible awful condition day mm-hmm. everybody was 15 to 20 minutes off their goal time and so was I and even though I PR'd in that race I knew I had more fitness and so I just figured I don't know I'll send it in New York and see what happens and <laughs> walk away with you, another PR I love how you put it that I had more fitness and you just went ahead and just yeah r- I just, ran even I, harder I felt like I bounced back from Chicago pretty quickly. I felt good because that heat and humidity just took it out of me on mm-hmm. race day. And then New York gifted us this beautiful, perfect running day for the marathon. And I just figured worst comes to worst, I hit a wall and I have to walk run the rest of it. And mm. that didn't really happen until mile like 22, I think, where I kind of let go of my angle and was like let's just finish this in a time we're happy with so and but you still did better than chicago like you or you still pr'd out of all your times your marathon times even though yeah i pr'd by yeah. um eight minutes in chicago and six minutes in new york so 14 minutes in a month wow not bad i was not happy with that. bad at all so your history and then we touched base on this a little bit but you fairly new to running right or did you grow up as an athlete running? No, I grew up as an athlete. I did gymnastics for 17 years. So wow. all the way into college was very competitive with that. It's a very, very different kind of sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never really thought about the similarities, but it's not an endurance sport. It's very much a power sport. The most mm-hmm. endurance I ever did was a minute and 30 seconds of a floor routine, you know, which is back to back, tumbling, dancing, all out for 90 seconds, but wow. that's very different from, you know, running a marathon for three and a half plus hours. And I, so running was something I didn't pick up until 2015. I think I did my first 10 K and then I was working at shape magazine at the time and decided to do an Ironman because why not? Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. um, like, like every, like every person who sure, runs an Ironman, sure. they wake up and they're like, Oh, why not just run an Ironman? Yeah, do it. You know, I just, I had gotten to that point with fitness, having come from gymnastics where everything is so structured for you. You know, I was working out five days a week, three hours a day, minimum, and following very rigid, uh, what's the word, Tra- like training protocols. That sounds really weird. Um, like, oh, yeah, which yeah. I, had, I had very specific training for gymnastics because I was doing specific routines. I had sp- specific strength goals. And so when I went out into the world. I didn't really know what to do with myself in a gym. 
Mm. So it felt like a chore. And even though boutique fitness classes were cool and, you know, I liked spinning, I liked going to boot camp, like all those kind of things, there was no end goal to any of them. And so it just felt like something I had to do to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I got an invitation through work to do an Ironman. And I actually deleted the email at first because I was like, <laughs> LOL, no. Or spam, or and- spam phishing? What is it? You had to report to HR or like to tech? This yeah, phishing? right. No, it was just like, that's stupid. Who would do something like that? And then somebody else at work said they were considering doing it. And I was like, wait, if you can do it, I can do it. So Mm. I had never ran more than, I mean, maybe, maybe three miles at that point, but certainly one mile with any kind of consistency. Mm -hmm. And I biked for fun. I did not swim. I knew how to swim, but not how to get from point A to point B in any sort of efficient way. So I thought this, this could be something fun to work towards. And I thought I would hate running the most and I don't really know why, but running is what stuck out of all of it. I will never swim again. That was a very traumatizing experience, Mm -hmm. but the running (laughs) just really worked for me. I would say no pun intended. Let's dive into that, <laughs> that swimming uh, experience, but it's okay. It's, it's tr- traumatic. We don't got to, we don't got to talk about it. What, what walk me through your training program from basically couch to ultra marathoning, uh, only running three miles, knowing how to bike, knowing how to swim, <laughs> walk me through that process. Like, are actually, are you pretty competitive at nature? You said that your coworker said they were going to do it. And that immediately your response was, I can do it too. I'm going to sign up. Yeah, I'm definitely super, super competitive, but mostly with myself. Mm. So I don't go out in a race hoping to be anybody else. Someone else. It's totally about my own performance, especially now that I have these benchmarks of, you know, the different race distances. Sometimes I think that can be a negative because sometimes I get more frustrated with myself when I don't perform the way that I want to. Even mm-hmm. Chicago, for example, it was a PR, but it wasn't the PR I wanted and I knew mm-hmm. I had trained for. So that was a little frustrating. But that I think a lot of runners are like that, that mm-hmm. very type A personality where they just always want to push themselves as hard as possible. So that's been very much a learning curve for me to approach some of these races for fun Mm -hmm. and do it for different reasons. Um, So that that was how I went into New York this year. I didn't want to compete with myself. I knew I had just PR'd in Chicago and so I didn't need to do that again. But I figured if I just go out and have as much fun as possible, maybe I will still PR. (laughs) So that's why it looks like I'm having the time of my life in all those pictures. I was genuinely (laughs) having the best day ever. Well, yeah. So I said this before, but I mean, your whole Instagram aesthetic is like you having fun. So like, yeah, I want to go and like travel the world. I want to go run a marathon and do X, Y, and Z because you're having a grand old time. And I'm like, I want to, I want to do that too. Um, so, uh, well, so how was that ultra marathon experience? Have you, you, have you only done one? Would you ever do another well, so it's, one? It's not an ultra marathon. So I did oh. a half Ironman, which half is, Ironman. sorry, um, my, my bad. See, I'm not even, but either way, it would still only be a marathon distance. Mm-hmm. Even if you did the full, it's mm-hmm. an ultra in the sense of it took me seven and a half hours. So <laughs> that was longer than I've ever, ever done cardio in my life. Um, but honestly, I'd rather run a marathon than do that again. No, oh, okay just because 
it was such a cool physical achievement to say that I did it, mm-hmm. but I did not enjoy swimming. I thought I was going to drown. The bike was very boring for, you know, three to four hours, however long it took me. And there's something about running that I just, even in that race, having that be the last, I think it took me like two hours and 15 minutes to finish the half marathon at the end of the half Ironman. That was the most fun I had during the entire race, you know, because I just, it's one foot in front of the other, the other, you're just kind of in your zone, you're in your head, hopefully in a good way and not, you know, beating yourself up or anything. But that was the feeling that I really liked about running. Mm. You see, I'm already looking at you like a pro athlete. And that's why I'm already putting you in in a high caliber. Like, oh, yeah, you ran, you just casually ran ultra marathons. Um, No, ultra marathon is next for sure. That's next. Okay. I was going to say, well, like, what's you've already done? You were already feels like, and you really have accomplished so much already. It's like, what could, what else could you do that you haven't already done? Um, So actually, run (laughs) run faster. Yeah. Is that just the ultimate goal? A never ending journey to run faster? No. So actually, look, it's think, so funny. Hold on, because you have you put up your marathon poster from New York City. That was very yeah. So people that are, hopefully I can clip this, but yeah, <laughs> that's the first thing you did when you got back to Denver to Colorado is put up the the poster. Um, very proud achievement. You you should feel proud. Yeah. Congratulations again. If I if I didn't say it already. Thank you. Um. So seventeen years of gymnastics. How was that? Yeah. Did you did you did you like? go into it like was it one of those things where your family your parents are like hey this is a sport like let's see if you like it or did you kind of navigate towards it um no I I started it when I was two like mommy and me classes um and I'm sure I was signed up for all of the sports I remember doing dance and I'm sure when I was very young, I did different things too. I don't really remember the other ones, but Mm -hmm. gymnastics is the one that I loved the most. And I remember in fourth grade, they told me to be on the competitive team. I had to learn a back handspring in three weeks or something. You know, the the very standard move that every gymnast does before, you know, going into their backflip on the floor or, you know, in a tumbling pass on the beam. Um, It's like, you can't, do gymnastics without that move. So fourth Mm -hmm. grade, I taught myself that move in, you know, two weeks or something in order to go through tryouts to get on the competitive team. And so from fourth grade, all the way through the end of high school, I was competitive, both within my school and um, in club leagues. And then I did it for the first year in college. And since I didn't go to a, you know, any kind of real gymnastics school, I figured I should do something that I could actually use in my life. So I joined the school paper instead. And here we are. There we go. All right. So in gymnastics, because, okay, I used to take gymnastics when I was younger, (laughs) believe it or not. Um, But it was, it was as a practice or as a addition to competing in martial arts. So like a part of it, a part of it was like a fun, creative portion to martial arts, which was doing flips, tumbling, backflips, like spinning jump kicks stuff like that so there was there was an element of gymnastics applied to martial arts in a creative sense that it like it it was a a certain style or a form to compete in um that that's what i did so like i i can't i can't do a backflip i think if i do a a running round off backflip i could do that 
if I like get, have enough momentum, but I used to, you'd, I could be, do, you'd probably be surprised by your muscle memory. Yeah. I mean, I think I had a fear of tumbling backwards. Like I, I, I don't think I could ever jump high and then a combination of jumping high and turning backwards really fast and then landing on your feet. I don't think back when I like, when I was seven, eight years old, even. So I did martial arts from five to 13. And I even think no matter throughout those eight years, I was never physically capable of actually doing it. Like it was, it took, a, like I said, momentum to carry me for yeah. me to try to do it. And that was in a controlled setting, like on, um, like a tum like a tumbler, a tumble mat, or, um, what is it like the pits that have all the foam? Yeah. The foam pit. <laughs> so, so I learned like, a lot of tricks in the foam pits. Yeah. So like that, that stuff, I can maybe like get over my fears. Cause I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna land on this foam pit. Um, I could do aerials. I could do a barrel roll. Um, mm -hmm. some spinning like jump kicks. That's about it. But other than that, physically, I was a, I was a pretty hefty kid. Like I was a very, very strong kid. I had a lot of muscle, so it kept me grounded, uh, in many yeah. ways. Um, that's cool. What did you compete in? Or like, what was your favorite for like, for myself? I saw bars, mats, tumbling, um, those like beams. So I know a few things having the experience in it a little bit, but walk me through like what you used to compete in, what your favorite, um, like competition was like, what did you specialize in? What was your passions at the time doing gymnastics? I competed in everything. So the Olympic for, you know, uh, that, that doesn't surprise me. I, I already talking to you like, yeah, I just did it all. And I did, I won gold medals and everything. Well, I think it's, you know, most gymnasts are taught to do everything. Mm. And then once you get to those really elite levels, you might start to specialize in something. But even if you look at the Olympics, every athlete there was capable of doing every event. I mean, that's the point, right? They need mm -hmm. to be able to step in if something happens to a teammate, somebody gets injured, you know, you can't just forfeit that spot. So I think most gymnasts are taught to do all of them. I competed in all of them. Um, by far, I was the best, I would say at floor and maybe beam or vault. I wasn't the best at the bars. The problem was I got tall. I was going to say, school. okay. I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. So there's two things. I was very tall by eighth grade and I developed fear. So the mm. thing about gymnastics is the younger you start and the better you get when you are younger, the easier it is to learn new skills because somebody tells you to go, oh, do a double front flip into this pit of foam. You're like, cool, that sounds fun. And then when you hit like 14, you're like, wait, that actually might hurt me. Yeah. So I don't know. So that, that was a big, I kind of plateaued at that point. And um, also the height, I bars, I could never, get you know the swinging handstand because mm. my legs were just too long and the bars can only go so far apart and I used to hit my ankles and it really uh, hurt so <laughs> so I can that. do it but definitely floor and beam my height came in handy because I think it's a lot more interesting to watch someone who is taller get so much higher off the ground unless mm. you're Simone Biles which in that case gravity doesn't apply but yeah. I always thought that that made my tumbling look much cooler what was your signature move? Oh God, I don't think I had a signature move. My, probably my most difficult move was a um, double full, which is like, again, a fraction of what Simone does, but it's <laughs> one backflip with two twists before you land. Mm, so. There you go. Yeah, I, I used to have, 
like a couple of moves, but it, it'll be very hard to describe in martial arts. So like I did weapons and a bow staff, which is like just a, a like a stick. Um, but I used to like part of the creative element aside from tumbling and doing backflips and like doing some of the like theatrics um, mm-hmm. was to do tricks with your weapons, like tossing them up, right. catching them, spinning them, eyes closed, all that kind of stuff. And so I had a couple of, of signature moves and that's why I asked. Cause I know it's, I think they're, they're for me, they're kind of parallel in what you do. Cause yeah. gymnastics. So like a lot of people know from the Olympics too, is like your, your center stage and you're doing a handful of moves and like, there are, it's an art form, like very much like a dance and like tumbling mm-hmm. is it's a, like a skilled element to it. You get ra- like rated and judged and like by, by how well you do the, the moves. So the equivalent of that is in martial arts. Like you have to punch a certain way, kick a certain way, yeah. do X, Y, and Z in, in, a, in a way that like you can get critiqued on and the better you do it. And like, it has almost like a flawless routine similar to mm-hmm. like getting perfect scores in gymnastics or something. So yeah, they're very parallel in, in, in athletics and maybe in sports. Um, so then fast forward to when you went to college, was that, that was part of the decision to, um, to per, like get into journalism and writing and you joined the school paper, like walk me through that decision when you got into college and that's, that's what you knew your next pursuit was. Oh no, I knew my next pursuit in eighth grade. I had okay. to make a magazine in English class and I made an entire magazine about Blink-182 and it was excellent. Um, but that, yeah, that is what made me decide to go into magazine journalism specifically. And so when I looked at colleges, I didn't look for sports. I looked for journalism and bonus was if they had a gymnastics team. But honestly, at that point I was so beat up from different, you know, ankle injuries, ligament issues, you know, all kinds of, I was wearing all kinds of braces and taped up and it just didn't seem worthwhile to continue Mm -hmm. so that's how I ended up on the school paper (laughs) I also (laughs) (laughs) I also did the school paper when I was in eighth grade um yeah that's so funny that's so weird like not not that we have very like very similar there are a lot of similar similarities here which I think is very interesting but yeah I was in the school paper for like a semester like it wasn't I think it was like an extra, extra credit or something, but like my English <laughs> professor was like, Hey, you're kind of good at speaking and writing and like, let's just do the school paper. And I think I wrote about sports because they didn't have anyone doing that. So I'd write yeah. about the success of the teams of the school, like whatever. Um, I think, I think what, what got me, what got the teacher interested in me or wanting me to join the school paper was, I think I wrote a paper on like Edgar Allan Poe or something. <laughs> And like, I did a poem. I don't know. Uh, also speaking of poems. Oh, angsty. I, yeah. Speaking of poems, when I was in college, I did uh, open mic nights. Um, oh, nice. Three-year champion back-to-back, uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back back to, back to back to back years. Um, That's very impressive. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hey, I'm, some call me a creator, writer, speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have open mic awards to prove it um that's awesome so interesting okay so how did you like and now you what do you specialize in or what is your focus in in writing and how did you how did you get here so it's funny I actually started out in entertainment journalism I wanted to work for Rolling Stone I wanted to you know be that very almost famous cliche <laughs> um 
but I did that for a while. I did write for Rolling Stone in Australia, still counts. Um, And I interned at MTV and then I started in entertainment journalism at Self Magazine, which is funny to look back on because, you know, Self is such a healthy lifestyle magazine, fitness, eating right, all that. And at that point in my life, I was like, nope, I'm just here to write about the celebrities. I want none of any of this other healthy living stuff. And probably five years later, maybe six years later, I was back at Shape Magazine by choice, you know, wanting to write about the healthy lifestyle stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was when I really got into fitness. Um, I had a couple moves in between at different publications, but I don't know, something about the fitness world was so much more welcoming and positive and fun to be a part of versus entertainment, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, entertainment is super fun, movie premieres, concerts, all that kind of stuff but it gets old. I got kind of tired of, of going out super late at night every week for concerts. And I mean, as much as I, I love music, I love that industry, but it didn't feel like a sustainable lifestyle mm. for me. Yeah, yeah. And then when I got into fitness, I just realized, oh, I like this so much more. So how did you get into fitness? Like, so, I mean, even as an athlete, like you competed in gymnastics and then like, so you have a history in sports and athletics, but yet it wasn't like a part of your professional life until later on, right? How did you get yeah. into, from entertainment to athletics and sports and fitness? Like, what was that transition like? Oh man, I don't even know. I, so I started at Self. I was there for a couple of years. I decided I wanted to contribute something more to the world than writing about celebrities and, you know, their workout programs. So I went to another magazine and did news writing for a little while. And that was sort of more serious topics. Um, Then I bounced around a couple times, ended up back at Shape Magazine to be the deputy editor of the website, which was kind of great because even though it was a fitness magazine, it covered everything. So, you know, beauty, fashion, fitness nutrition, lifestyle, celebrity, all that. And that was where I was invited to do, to do the Ironman. And once I did that and sort of found this community around endurance sports, I just realized that I loved being a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I found, I especially found people like on Instagram and on social media who had done these races, who had tips, who sort of understood this goal that I had in a way that some of my life friends couldn't really relate to. I mean, they were supportive, but none of them wanted to come do a swim followed by a bike ride, you know, at the gym on a Saturday morning. So it just, it was nice to find people who supported that. And then to be at a magazine that also let me write about that and sort of explore that on a deeper level. I was kind of hooked after that. And so since I guess, 2015 I've been doing these crazy races (laughs) that's cool what what I mean no I I think that's that's really relatable is how sometimes like the disconnect between worlds like your everyday life and your like friends that are not runners and then runners you know what I mean like it takes a certain Mm -hmm. type of athlete and a person and a mindset to like really dive into this sport that is running 
Um, yeah. yeah, we've talked about this, or like I've talked about it on the show a few times and a lot with friends is like, you know, it's the, uh, I can't go out on Friday night cause I have a Saturday yeah. long run kind of thing or like, Oh, Tuesday, you have a birthday. Sorry. I have a track workout. Like I can't do it. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, man, it's cool. Like, it's just cool that there are just different worlds that people are in though. Like, um, yeah. So, um, what about running? got you interested in that like you even said when you were doing the Ironman running was one of the one of your favorite parts about it um like what about running drew you in the most I think to start running was very much a mental health thing for me I dealt with a lot of depression and just some of those mental health issues that I didn't really know how to deal with them at the time and running gave me space within my week to just sort of be in my own head, work through what I needed to work through. And I always felt better after it. I mean, it's mm. so cliche to say, you know, no one ever regretted going for a run, but it's true. I mean, there, there have been days where I've gone even for like two miles and wasn't really feeling it, but I still felt better coming home afterwards just because I had that I don't know. It's, it's almost like a Zen experience. My mom teaches yoga and I remember she got me, you know, a, a month pass to a yoga studio in New York. And she was like, I just think it'll help, you know, with any like emotional things you're going through or whatever. And it, it, it did. I love yoga, but it didn't really stick. Mm -hmm. And then when I was running regularly, I realized, oh, this is what she meant this is what I was looking for. She found it through yoga, but I find it through running. Mm -hmm. And I think after that, building a community around running also really helped because as supportive as all my other friends who don't run have been, you know, in terms of cheering me on and understanding when I don't want to go out on a Friday night, whatever it might be, finding people who also feel the same way about running made me realize, oh, these are my people. Like, mm -hmm. These are the people I can talk to who can relate to my lifestyle. And I mean, there's, there's nothing like running with somebody for, you know, a two hour long run side by side, not having to make eye contact and just being able to talk through everything under the sun, including all like the awkward bathroom talk that runners go through, <laughs> even though you met that person literally at the start of the run. Yeah, so there's yeah. this sort of like equal playing field that everybody comes to with running mm. where I, you can like all... That. Yeah, you just all sort of like are in that same space mm. at the same time. And then when you talk to them about it afterwards, you still have that sort of shared experience. Even if it's like you didn't run the same marathon or half marathon, whatever it is, every runner can relate to another runner on some level. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I love how you put that. Like everyone is in the same boat. That That is, that's yeah, true. I mean, somebody might be going faster than you. I mean, I run with people in Denver who are, you know, who can finish a marathon an hour faster than me, but they still know what it feels like to be yeah. in that last 5k and pushing through the discomfort or, you know, to use running as an escape or to have a bad workout or have a great workout and have that high afterwards. So the pace doesn't matter. It's the experience of the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So now from being, a like just walk me through your history in running going from like how did you get into racing how did you get into 
marathons and then even now five out of the six majors like walk me through beginning from beginning to now um how you got into racing and getting like really diving into it yeah so i started with the iron man and that i i feel like there are a lot of people out there who are one and done racers which is mm. totally legitimate um my sister-in-law had a bucket list item of running the new york marathon and she did it and she has not run a single step since <laughs> And I mean, that's still an incredible accomplishment. Then there are people who finish their first race and they decide I can do that faster or I could do that better. I wonder which one you are. (laughs) I am hundred percent the latter. Um, I finished that Ironman. And even though I spent the whole first hour thinking that I was going to drown, I came through the finish line and was like, I could do that faster next time. Mm. And then I decided I did not want to become a triathlete. That was not going to be my thing because I did not want to have to train swimming consistently. But um, I remember I was talking to the publicist at Adidas and I said, if I ever do a marathon, it'll be Boston because I went to college in Boston. I celebrated Marathon Monday every Monday or every year uh, while I was at school. And if I were to ever do something as stupid as a marathon, it would be Marathon Monday. And so they're like, cool, we can get you in. And so I was like, well, okay, here we are. (laughs) So I did, um, I did Boston. I loved it. It was such an epic experience. And I was like, I want to do this again. I think I can do it better. And so I did New York and then I kept doing them. And so far I've done, um, I've done nine. The only one that has not been a major is the LA marathon. And I did that because Tokyo was canceled. So I was able to pivot last minute and Mm. get into the LA marathon to finish out that training cycle. But to me, there's something about the majors that just is next level in terms of hype and energy and, you know, just the whole experience. And so Mm -hmm. I really love that aspect of it. And so I have one more. And then I think after that one, I will probably stop racing marathons. I don't want to say I'll never do another Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. but I think the goal for me is not to just keep getting faster forever and ever, because I don't think that is (laughs) possible. Or I think I would probably have to make some serious lifestyle changes in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, just the way I live. And I don't want to do that, but, um, but I do want to finish out the majors, you know, giving them a hundred percent and see what happens with that. And then I don't know, I definitely want to explore ultra marathons. Um, I like the idea of traveling for more races. That's been Mm -hmm. part of the appeal of the majors. So you know, doing races on every continent or in, you know, really far flung parts of the world. I think that Mm -hmm. could be a really interesting way to have more fun with it than Mm -hmm. just focus on racing. And according to your website, you've only seen 16% of the world. So hopefully racing in all areas of the world can get you, get that percentage. I got to work on that. (laughs) I feel like that number has been stagnant for a little while. So (laughs) you've got to get back out there, but I've done races. I did a race at the, um, I did a half marathon at the Dead Sea, which was pretty epic. Oh, cool. It's the lowest point on earth. Um, I was once invited to do one. Um, I think it was an ultra marathon and they invited me to do a segment of it in Turkey, which I wasn't able to do, but that sort of sparked this idea like, mm. oh, I could go to these really interesting places and use it as a way to travel. Yeah. There's a marathon in Antarctica. So I've got a whole list of wow. these races I want to do. <laughs> Man, that I I love that. That's a a big reason. I mean, that's a, 
a big reason why I love to travel is because as a runner, I know that I can wake up in the morning and run eight miles, 10 miles, or I can just go and explore on my feet um, and like see a new city, see a new town, just like get a sense of the lay of the land. Like I can do that as a run and like a workout. I, that's what I love about both running and traveling. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. When, when you ran your first marathon, was it like a big, like how how was that for you like was it a process to train you went through a proper training program because you're also a running coach so like I want to dive into that like how you mm -hmm. got in you got certified and like you wanted to that's really um diving into it like that's really leaning into running as a sport and now like you're dedicated you're a, a coach uh how how did that come about or like what sparked that interest as well so I think the more that I ran the more interested I became in running mm -hmm. besides just putting one foot in front of the other. You know, when you start, you're just like, get me to this finish line. Like, what do I need to do to survive this? You know, when, when you start with a marathon. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I had done a couple of things at that point, obviously half marathons because of the Ironman and whatnot, but, um, mm -hmm. I just started reading more about it. I started getting involved with, you know, different people who were, whether they were coaches or, you know, other athletes who had really embraced this lifestyle. And I just started talking to people about it. And I loved learning more and trying to figure out my body and how I ran and what I could do to make myself better at it. For example, as a gymnast, I run very tall, you know, like I'm running towards a vault you know, down the runway, you have 13 mm -hmm. steps. And so you run very tall to kind of naturally break yourself from slamming into this thing. And I remember when I started talking to coaches like Jess Woods and Joe Holder about that, and they were like, no, you got to lean into it. You got to lean in. And I was like, I, my body doesn't know how to do that after 17 years of being oh, yeah. told like, you know, chest proud, chest tall. So um, I think trying to figure myself out as a runner is mm. what kept me learning and reading and just trying to absorb anything I could about this sport. And eventually it got to the point, um, I guess it was two, a little over two years ago that I got my first running coach certification. And at the time it was solely for education. You know, I write for runner's world. I write for women's running. I write about running for a lot of other publications. So I wanted to have that base of knowledge. So I wasn't so reliant on other coaches. Obviously I still always talk to other coaches, but I wanted to be able to go into those conversations with a better base of knowledge mm -hmm. so that I could get better information from them instead of having to go through the, the most basic minutia every single time. So it was really an educational thing. And then Last year, I had some extra time on my hands, so <laughs> I started um, another course. So now I have another certification, and I think next year I'm going to start coaching for real and using those certifications to help other people beyond just writing articles. That's the plan. Wow, that's cool. Um, so I basically yeah. start your own kind of kind of practice. Would you have you ever thought about starting your own running group? No, I wouldn't do that because I have a really, really great running group out here. I run with Sidious Run Club in Denver and shout out to Sidious they, Run Club. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, they're just the best. I mean, they were such a welcoming group when I moved here. That was something I really felt like I was missing in New York. And so when I moved to Denver and 
tried out a couple run clubs. I just loved that this was a group that had, you know, everything from 230 marathoners to, you know, people who were way, way slower than me. And even when I was adjusting to altitude, you know, I never mm. got dropped. Somebody always stayed with me. Um, and they made it so fun to show up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday, which is kind of my nightmare. I'm not a morning person, but um, it, it was such a like 180 from training in New York by myself all the mm. time on long runs. And then having people every Saturday of this training cycle to do not just we do a typical eight mile route on Saturday mornings, but there are always people adding more because there's always people training for the same races as you. I mean, I think we had 20 mm. people running Chicago. So it just was this great community and I would never, I would never step on their toes by trying to create my own group. But um, okay. I think more, more one-on-one -on -one coaching would be something I'm really interested in and working on for 2022. Cool. Um, I'm interested maybe of uh, getting a coach, <laughs> getting a coach for next year. So we should talk. I have to say work, working um, with a coach for real is makes such a huge difference. Mm, I worked yeah. with, um, with Rebecca Stowe through Nike for Chicago and then for New York this year. And nice. even though I know what I'm doing, I mean, coaches have coaches, right? Like mm -hmm. I made a general training plan and then I worked with Rebecca to kind of fine tune it, especially for, my specific goals and, mm -hmm. and my lifestyle, you know, it was very different training at altitude for the first time and, and kind of having to wrap my head around how those paces translated to what my goal paces would be at sea level and whatnot. So just having somebody who can help you adapt on the fly because life happens and, you know, a mm -hmm. training plan is not meant to be written in permanent marker. So having somebody there to help you navigate that, I think is so huge and everybody, literally everybody can benefit from a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I, I think there is never like a lack of knowledge to learn or, you know, like, like even with a sport, yeah. a sport in general, but running like specifically since it's top of mind, it's like there, there are never ending nuggets of information that you could learn not only from coaches or other runners, but also mm -hmm. like from experience, you know, like you're not going to, yeah. you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. We should talk. I mean, maybe, I don't know if <laughs> how you feel about coaching from a distance, but um, Denver to New York. And virtual yeah. is the new reality. So. Yeah, true. Um, all right. So no, that, I mean that, you know, I have like a ton of questions on interviewing, writing, like everything about that that you do but i love that we didn't touch on it yet um i would say <laughs> foreshadowing hopefully we can we can dive into more of that later but um what's next for you now like what you have do you have any plans to run any other races anytime soon um what's on the horizon for you i mean i'm still crossing my fingers for tokyo who mm. knows when that will happen so that that is definitely up in the air hard to plan TBD, um, yeah. I, I know tbd which is frustrating because you know a marathon takes four months of planning mm -hmm. at least and so yeah. i want to know how to kind of structure my life but that one aside there are two two spring marathons i'm kind of contemplating um that are not majors which would be something new for me <laughs> um but like i said i love the idea of traveling for a race and so a couple mm -hmm. friends and i have talked about um going out to California for a girl's weekend. Uh, they have signed up for the half marathon. And then I saw there 
towards a marathon and it's downhill and that <laughs> wow. is intriguing to me ever all but, of your um, friends are running half marathons but you're the one that's like nah i'm gonna run the full. i'll i'll do that yeah it's okay like the other half of my friends are running ultra marathons so i fall okay <laughs> okay it but, evens out it balances out yeah yeah ultra marathon definitely on the books um and honestly, after this year, I really hope I get to run New York again. I just had such a great time mm. that I, I would love to make it a regular thing. Mm. Was it was it nostalgic for you? Like, was it really cool coming back to New York, having now like living in Colorado? Yeah. So it was only the second time I've been back to the East Coast since mm -hmm. I moved. Um, I went this summer for a wedding and did a little run through the city, you know, stayed with friends for a couple nights before the wedding. And New York is not home <laughs> for me. Okay. So it was, it was kind of nice to, to go there and realize, no, I'm in the right place. Like I made the right call mm. going out to Colorado. But that being said, marathon weekend did feel like a homecoming. Mm. I mean, just the, the combination of the running community coming together, the perfect New York weather, the perfect New York day. I mean, I just love how much New York loves the marathon. Yeah, yeah. So that felt really special to be back on those streets and to be running, you know, down, down streets that I know so well. I used to live on First Avenue for eight years. So I hate that street so, so much. <laughs> but like running back up it this year and like knowing that's where a lot of my friends were, that was really exciting. You know, getting, getting over the 59th Street Bridge is a nightmare, but being so familiar with it, coming into Central Park and knowing that part, it did feel really special to be back there. Mm -hmm. But then I was also really happy to come home to the mountains. Mm. That, well, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's cool though. That like that experience must have been, well, New York city, the marathon weekend and the day was like, unlike any other, like the, yeah, yeah it was, I think honestly, looking back at it now, I think that might have been also my first New York city marathon experience, um, as a spectator. So like as a photographer yeah. as well, like that, it was, it was interesting to see it from the other side of it, like to not, not run and to be on the, the cheering mm -hmm. and taking photos and like seeing friends run. And, um, I was up there in mile 20, 21. So like the, towards the tail end of the marathon and like mm -hmm. having, you know, with Boogie Down Bronx and having that atmosphere and that energy and like the, the pick me up, or I feel like we, that area had to pick me up that the runners needed to carry on yeah. through the marathon. And like the number of people that I saw at that time uh, throughout the day was like, oh, this is like, it was such an energy. It was such a vibe that is indescribable. Yeah. Um, like you must, you, you must, you should have been there to know, like you have to be there to know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, this was my, my fourth New York yeah, I did 2016, 17, 18, and you, you, 2021. You could have ran this with your eyes closed, let's be honest. Well, that was the thing. I think I was so excited to be on a course that I knew so well. Not only have I done mm. the marathon itself before, but I've run those the exact route yeah, many, yeah. many times. Not the whole thing, but um, it just, uh, this year's energy was so, so good. I've never felt it like that, like truly palpable energy. I mean, people hanging out in the streets, the crowds were thick from really from Brooklyn all the way through Central Park. Even the Bronx, which is sometimes a slightly lighter spectator area, mm -hmm. was great. And I don't know, I've said this before, but I went into it 
with the intention of having fun, you know, not to race. And so I told myself before, I was like, you are going to smile at everyone you see. You're going to high five people. You're going to like point at signs you like, you know, all of those things because Chicago, I was so in my head the whole time. Mm. You know, I was so hyper aware of every single step, which was so miserable because it felt like that race took a year, even though it was a PR, it felt like it lasted forever. Whereas New York, by the time I got to like 21 you know, which is typically where I start to flag. I was like, oh, I'm at 21 already. Like we've already made it back into Manhattan. Like this is incredible. So I don't know. It sounds like such a cheesy thing, but if you like make the choice to have fun during a race, (laughs) you're going to have a lot more fun and that's probably going to make it feel a lot better. That's true. I think if you prioritize fun, then anything else that happens is like an added benefit you know like especially to get out of your head like that's such a hard thing to do is to not overthink things especially when it comes to race day um yeah also i i couldn't help but think like a part of it a part of it for me was like if i set the bar really 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 low (laughs) (laughs) then then anything anything that i do is an accomplishment already because i because the bar is set so low exactly um i'm just i know i think going to have fun and then ipr and then cool that's what i wanted to do the whole time it's it's hard to really do that like to really be okay with that decision Mm -hmm. and you know you might say that but then in the back of your head you're like no I'm still gonna race this thing Mm -hmm. and I don't know I think in Chicago I put so much pressure on myself and had I had a good day that might have worked out but we had a really bad weather day it just Mm -hmm. was really really awful and you can't control that and so what you can control is how you feel during the race. And if you're only there for the outcome or you're only focusing on the outcome, that's like two seconds Mm. of a 26.2 mile race. What are you doing in your head the rest of the time? Yeah. So the more present you can be, I think while running, you're going to have better outcomes because you're just going to be focused on that moment and what you can do in that moment and not some, you know, timestamp on the clock Mm. miles away. You know what? You heard it here first, folks. That is Coach <laughs> Coach Ashley Mateo's tips for running marathons. Uh just have fun. That's it. Number one yeah. number one thing, the one and only rule, just have fun. Everything else will follow. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. That's, you know, I want to wrap it there. That was, that was a good, that's a good end off. Um, cool. Thank you so much. This was great. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I told you I could literally talk about this stuff all day. You like, know what? And the funny it's part so is fun to me. Yeah. I think the funny part is like, I, there was a, so much that I wanted to ask you and could have asked you. And I feel like if you're up for it, hopefully we can jump on another episode soon. Cause we can dive into yeah. a lot of different topics. Cause I, yeah, again, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so much to talk about. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.